Welcome to This Old App, a podcast about learning, coding, smashing stuff together, breaking things apart, startups, failing, winning, and any other buzzwords we can think of. Hey, Randy. Uh, hey. So today I wanted to walk through, we had talked previously about how we had taken the, the Chasms um, app that that you had developed in in um, Google. Uh, Firebase. What? Firebase, thank you. I kept think I couldn't think of the F word. Uh, <laughs> Google Firebase, um, and moved it over to Microsoft Flow and and a couple other things within Microsoft um, for a couple reasons. One was to marry it with the whole Microsoft ecosystem we already had, um, and two is because you broke the the Firebase version. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, um, what I figured I'd do is, is we, we'd spend today and I'd, I'd, I'd walk you through kind of what flow looks like and, and, and get your input on, on how it compares to say a Zapier or if this, then that, and see what, what you thought it, it should be very similar. Um, and, and we'll, uh, we'll just talk it out. So, um, for the listeners listening to this uh, through their ears, they're not going to get to see the screen that I'm showing you, but we'll describe it as best we can. Um, So obviously with any of these, uh, the first thing you do is you have a trigger. You have an event that happens that causes the, uh, the flow to run. Is that the invocation? Um, Is that what we always called it with the, that, that that's what it's called in other instances here. It's called a trigger. Um, and the trigger in this example is quite simply because we're, we're waiting for inbound text. It's quite simply the Twilio webhook. Um, so when the, the Twilio webhook gets fired because an incoming text came in, um, it, fire, it, it fires out a, a note to whatever's hooked to it and says, hey, I've got a new text. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way flow does that is flow's got a connector to Twilio and it feeds it through Azure. Um, so you go in and you put a, a, an Azure link in Twilio and you say, this is where I want you to ping if you get a, a text mm-hmm. message. Um, and this was actually quite simple to do it, it, it on the screen. It looks complicated. There's a huge complicated URL and there's a JSON, um, body. But really, it was a case of I go into Twilio. Um, I'm sorry, I go into Flow. I said, I want this webhook to Twilio. It says, okay, give me the Twilio link. I paste in the link. Um, and it generated the the URL for Azure, and it generated the JSON. <clears throat> so they had done a lot of work in the background to make that connector really easy So back up right here. The Yeah. What's the what is Flow again? Flow is Microsoft's version of this. This if this oh, then that okay. or Zapier. It's it's a no code um, or low code um, implementation that allows you to hook a lot of things. And together. they already know what the Twilio payload schema is, essentially. Right. Okay. You can add all sorts of connectors and. Um, I'm typing flow connectors right now to see what, uh, see what pops up. Uh, but there, there's, there's quite a number of them and, and you can see on the screen, they've got all sorts of things, all, uh, obviously all the Microsoft products, 
um, as well as Twitter, as well as Twilio, um, Gmail. Yeah, you can even. So th- this is yeah. It, it it's, flow is the integration library. Then, okay, sure, okay. sure, and and it hooks to a lot of things. It really does. It'll even hook to Salesforce, um, which is obviously really powerful. Um, yeah. it'll hook to Asana. It'll hook to Trello. Um, when, when we finish here, I'll show you the, tr- the one that's hooking to Trello as mm-hmm. well. Um, so really that was, but the, the key point there is I didn't have to yeah. do a lot. I just had to say, Hey, here's the Twilio link. And because they had done a lot of work in the background, all that auto generated. And now I have a payload to work with. Um, so the next, once, once you activate the trigger, the next thing you do is you, you start to add well, actions. First, let me look and at one thing. Show ahead. advanced options on that mm-hmm. trigger. Yep. Not a thing. Oh, the method of post or get relative path. Yes. Boring. There's nothing there to see. There's nothing there. It wasn't, it wasn't complicated. There are some things that, that, that I've had to do with the two um, significant flows I've written that having worked as a developer helped. Um, so it's not like you can come in here not knowing how to develop and, and not understanding anything about computers and just start throwing all sorts yeah. of things at the wall. Um, you have to have some knowledge, but I will say like for the Twilio, the Twilio, the documentation would have walked just about anybody through it. Um, yeah. As far as setting up the hook, setting up the trigger. Working with the payload you get afterwards requires some small knowledge of JSON and and the objects and things like that. Um, but nothing super complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on from the trigger, um, as you can see, I'm scrolling here. And the first thing I did was I initialized about 13 different variables. Um, within Flow, and I'm sure this is the same within If This Then That and Zapier, you actually have to say, hey, I'm going to need a variable here. Here's the name. Here's the type. Um, maybe here's a default value. Pulling it out of the uh, payload. Well, then the first ones are just no defaults. The first was I just literally just set up the variables. So I said, I want to know, I'm going to want a variable that's a text message. I'm going to want a variable that's uh, any picture that comes in the text message. I'm going to want a variable that is the sending number, the number it came from, so on and so forth. Um, And I didn't load, I, I didn't load any of the, these variables from the payload yet because, um, this is where it starts to get a little complicated. You can't, what's the best way to put this? Um, flow doesn't sit there and break down to mm-hmm. multiple <clears throat> levels. The, um, yeah, the JSON, it will to, to some level, um, but, but not to, not to, you know, three levels deep, it's only going to give you the first mm-hmm. level of the JSON. Um, and what I'm doing right now is I'm, um, 
I'm just pulling up all the different things that you can get. So what we can get from the, the Twilio payload is the content. So that's like everything. Um, and then various keys and values. Okay. So what Twilio says, sends is JSON with key value pairs. So what it would, what it required me to do, um, to fill out all these different variables that I set was to go into the payload and say for each key, go through all the keys and find me the key that is equal yeah. to body, for example. And the body is the actual message. Okay. So it had to go through all the keys, flip through all those, find the body. And when it found the body, extract the value from that and, and, and go ahead and set that to text message. Um, there were a number of things I had to do this for where I have to iterate through the, the payload and find the different things. So I had to do it to find the actual message. I had to do it to find the number that now, I, came from. I think looking at this, um, I could do this as a programmer, as a non-programmer, this would be daunting. This is the part that would be hard. Yeah. And, and it, this was not straightforward, even as a program, I had to, I had to figure out the way flow yeah. was trying to talk. Right. Um, so this, this part took a little while, but as a now programmer, I do think it worked. going, going to, um, can you, you see where it says set variable 10, set variable 11. Can you change that set yep. variable 10 to something like set number of pictures? Yeah. Yeah. That would be helpful for someone that would have to work on what you built. Right. And what, what you're going to see with the second one I show you is okay. that I've done that a lot. Um, I didn't do it here. Um, but in the other one, I did do it a lot and I might come back yeah. here and do the same. Um, now the one thing I'm showing you here is, uh, if Twilio has attachments, if, if an incoming text has mm. attachments like pictures, um, Twilio gives you the number of attachments and then an array with mm -hmm. all the attachments in it. Okay. So the first thing I had to do was I had to go, okay, how many are in the array? And because Twilio doesn't really care if it's sending a string or an integer, it's just sending the number of pictures. I actually had to go ahead and convert a number to a number. I had to convert the string of one, the, 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 the literal number one to a, a number yeah. variable of one. Um, so th it, this is where we talked last time that, that flow is very um, type uh, strict. Um, it, it, if, it, if you say it's a string, you cannot use it as a, as a integer. Um, you've actually got to convert it. Um, so now we'll get to the final part, which was, so all, everything I've done so far um, was fairly straightforward. It was grab all these things out of the payload and then let's just uh, set them yeah. to variables so we, we can use them later. What the, the <clears throat> last part is now that I've done that, I need to loop through each not number of pictures I have because I have to send one message 
to Microsoft Teams for each picture. So let's step back for a second and talk about the, the overall process, the, the overall purpose of what we're doing. And that is that somebody can send text messages and pictures to a single number um, and that come into our yeah. Microsoft Teams instance. Okay, so the way Microsoft implements that is through adaptive cards, and yeah. we'll talk about those in a minute. Um, but it's essentially one message for each, uh, one Teams message for each text message or one Teams message mm-hmm. for each picture within that message. You can't attach multiple pictures. So now that I've got the number of pictures, I have to loop through, but there ha- I have to loop through at least once. So even if there are zero pictures, yeah. I have to loop through it yeah. once in order to send the actual message. So this is very back to, you know, loops 101. Mm-hmm. This is a do until um, where you evaluate the condition after you've executed it so that you always are executing it at least once. Um, so this this loop we're doing is just very straightforward. Um, what it does, it goes through the first time it says, okay, do we actually have... Yeah any pictures. If the answer is no, then it's just going to send the message once and then it'll exit the loop. Um, If there's an actual picture or pictures, the first time it's going to go, okay, I've actually got a picture. So let me go grab that picture. Um, And this is, this is where I had to do some (laughs) funny things with it. So we'll talk about that. I had to take the picture And then I had to resize the picture because coming from a phone, it could be any number of sizes, including some, you know, iPhones will send things, what, 2000 by 4,000 or something, some crazy resolution. Um, Teams does not like that. Teams is a maximum of a thousand by a thousand. Um, yeah, that's yeah. an adaptive cards limitation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's a reasonable limitation. Yep. A thousand by a thousand is perfectly reasonable. Um, so this is where I had to go. Okay. How do I resize this picture? Um, I ended up finding a, uh, open source application that I put on Heroku, um, called image resizer. And all you do is you send it you send it a URL um, with the, you send it the the URL of the picture itself. And then you send it within your URL, the resizing of it. So as, as you can see on the screen, it's about, you know, four or five different Mm -hmm. slashes within it with different options. One of them is the resize option. One of them is the actual picture URL where the picture was coming from. Um, and then once it's resized, I have to get that. I have to hit that URL and actually download the file from there. So that was interesting in and of itself to say, okay, go to this mm-hmm. URL and pull the image from there. Um, once that was done, I then had to save it and I saved it to OneDrive. Um, 
and then moved it over. So I saved it in OneDrive and then moved it over to SharePoint. That sounds like I'm doing duplicate effort and I am, um, but that's because of the way SharePoint saves files is not yeah. the same way OneDrive saves files. If you want to treat a file like a file, you have to, you have to put it on OneDrive first and then move it to SharePoint. Even if you're using SharePoint as a file repository, um, it doesn't have quite all the hooks that OneDrive does. So I had to actually save it to OneDrive, then take the, the location of it within OneDrive, put it in SharePoint, save it to SharePoint, um, and then delete it from OneDrive. And that gave me an actual location for the file. So the very last thing I did then was I created the card for teams. So now I've got all the information. I've got where the uh, text came from. I've got the text message. I've got the uh, picture URL and all that. So, um, so now it's time to talk about adaptive cards. So Microsoft has, has created this, this framework called adaptive cards, Mm -hmm. which is essentially a card UI that you can implement on, uh, Android or iOS. You can implement it on windows. You can implement it within, um, teams. You can implement it within outlook. Um, and you can even implement it within your own web pages. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a very easy way to not have to theme anything. Um, but beyond that, and and this is where I, it's really interesting and I've only touched the surface of adaptive cards. So I'm showing you an example right now of what one of the adaptive cards looks like within teams. And it's just a box with the, the text number and the picture, very similar to what we were producing in Chasms. Um, so there, there, there's not a lot of difference there. The, the, the thing that's really exciting about uh, adaptive cards is they can act, you can actually program actions. So below that picture, I could put some buttons and some, you know, some text fields yeah. to do some very specific things with it, like save this file to a certain location or, uh, you know, forward this file to somewhere or label Slack this file is, as something. Slack was trying to and do if you, that. Like they were trying to give, but it was yeah. not straightforward. No. And, and I, th- this is where I really think teams might start to pass Slack one because of the Microsoft yeah. install base. It's so easy within the enterprise to use something like teams when you've already got Microsoft. Um, I think all these actionable um, messages and, and not only can you do it within teams, you can do it within outlook. So I can send you an email and it will also have buttons on it um, to do things like, again, to say categorize this or mark this as closed or mark this as needs quote or, and, you know, you can create anything you can think of that would allow you to actually give people action items within an email or within a yeah. team's message, as opposed to just being a message. Um, you could, you could take them right to the action you need from them. So that, that's what adaptive cards is back to the flow. Um, it's just, again, 
It's just a JSON object and it's a fairly straightforward JSON object to write. Um, and, uh, adaptive cards even has a designer that you can go to. Um, and it's really adaptivecards.io is the main website for adaptive cards. And you go to adaptivecards.io slash designer, and it allows you to sit there and design the card and it gives you the JSON right below it. Um, so you can copy and paste that so wherever you need stopping to. stopping right here, I'm curious about... Yeah. So if you were to have... If I were to try to do the same thing, there's very little between the, the Twilio API and you delivering these text messages and pictures to teams that would be any different. Meaning... There's not, you aren't making a lot of choices that are like, I wouldn't sit there and go, no, Don, don't, don't loop through that list of, of images. Like everything that you did is very standard. The different, the only difference would be the variables of my Twilio account, my team's account, my OneDrive, um, SharePoint, whatever account. Right. But the, everything you're doing logically and everything you're doing from a step-by-step standpoint is pretty much exactly what I would have to do, which tells me this is, um, you can abstract this. You can save it as work with a few variables I would have to put in as a, as a different, um, flow plus power apps plus team user. So why did you have to do all of this? when there's very repeatable steps and logic already available or is there like, or could, could you, if no one else has done this with Twilio, are you able to publish without the variables, what you did, the work you've done so that, uh, so that I could use it without going through all the pain that you went through? Can I publish it? Yes. Um, I don't, I I have not looked deep into, um, how can it be published? Yes. Can it be published to a place where you would actually have to pay me money to get access to it? I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I can certainly share the flow with you, um, and, and orchestrate it in a way that you have to put in your own. There's not an open source like library Um, as work people have done. I haven't dug okay. into it. Yeah, that that answer I don't know. Um, so the question is, can I productize this? No, I mean, I my gut says probably, but well, I don't, I don't know. think I think Twilio might want to do that. I don't think you could. And in the sense of, yeah, Twilio wants to increase the usage of their API. You're paying them money to have these inbound text messages, so they capture money there, right? Microsoft benefits when people can build useful applications with integrations of external apps with teams, but you personally, it's not, it's just more of, Hey, I did this work. You can share in it. Kind of like if this, then that I can utilize other people's pre-built Spotify. Like I, I take about the Discover Weekly playlist each week and copy it into a, another playlist for archiving. So I always have those right. um, lists over time with Spotify. And someone did that work on If This Then That, and I just 
copied it and used it. So there's not any value there, but it's more like just, I don't, I'm curious on the overall repeatability of this stuff because the work you did largely is repetitive. Not many people are going to come in and go, Oh, I really want to do something different with this inbound text um, at the level that you just did it. I know that you are, you have set trigger words and, text messages that want you want to do other things with work orders and stuff that would be rather unique but for just hey i want the i want inbound text messages to get pasted to teams that's a very repeatable flow application process workflow that i think other people would use right right it absolutely is so it it Again, I, I, I can share it. I don't know if I can charge for sharing it. And could could Twilio? Um, within Flow, which for for everyone's purpose, again, we've talked about it before, Microsoft Flow is now Power Automate. They've renamed it to fit the Power Platform. Um, so if you're looking for it, you might find it under Flow. You might find it under Power Automate. Um, I know that for some of these connections especially in the other one we're going to talk about there there's the regular connections and then there's mm. premium connections. So you have to sign up for, for power automate mm. premium plan um, in order to use some of these connections. So we'll um, uh, it, it was worth it to us yeah. to do so um, for, but I don't know about uh, about being able to sell a flow to others. It's something that I'd be interested to look into. Um, So the only other thing I I really wanted to show you was take a different content, take a different problem and show, and and really quick, you run, run through how it was solved. Um, This is more complex. Uh, The, the Twilio one was fairly simple. It was get the webhook iterate through the payload and create an adaptive card, three steps. Um, And, and yes, some of the looping through the the key value pairs was a little complicated and a little hard to work on, but it was actually pretty quick to build. Um, This other one is actually a copy or a, um, an equal to something I already have running on Zapier. Um, so I was able to compare apples to apples on what I'm doing. And the idea here is for construction specialists, when, when a work order comes in for us, we have to do a number of things. We have to put it on our Trello board. We have to send it to our uh, technicians. So those are, those are two things. And that's what the Zapier one does now is it does those two things. What that doesn't give me is a database of mm-hmm. of all the work orders. My only database is within uh, Trello, and a lot of the interesting information, like the not to exceed amounts or the invoice amounts, are really just within text fields, um, generic text fields that I can't go and query to find out. You know what was our average invoice yeah. for November? So what, 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 what I'm doing by putting this all within Power Automate instead of within Zapier is I've tied it into um, the Power Platform, the Microsoft Power Platform and the database there, which is called the Common Data um, Storage. 
which is essentially a relational database with some things tacked onto it. Um, it's a, it's yeah. a relational database plus. So this is where there's going to have to be some understanding of relational databases and how they're built in order to do it. But it is very click and point and click mm-hmm. um, oriented. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on this and maybe we'll talk about another time about, um, about some of the other aspects of this power platform. But essentially what I did for this was I, I took a, a Microsoft form. So the original process was within Google forms. It created a, an entry in a Google spreadsheet. Zapier looked for that new entry, um, pulled all the information and then created a Trello card and mm-hmm. sent an email to the text. This is very <clears throat> similar in that it's a Microsoft form, mm-hmm. which is very similar to Google forms. Um, that saves somewhere. And I, I've yet to find out where that saves, where those responses probably save, go, which probably is very Probably go a public repository that everyone um, can see, but go ahead. <laughs> v- obviously. That, and with, with big pointers like yes. company information here. Um, th- this is the one piece that I will probably change to be a power app, the form itself, so that I yeah. know it's within my ecosystem. Um, but this was the quick way to do it. So when, when a new response comes in, we grab that again, we, we make it a, a JSON package, JSON payload. And then, um, I go in, I grab the client record from the, uh, the common data storage, um, so that I can get some client information based on what client we're serving. I initialize some variables, set some dates. I determine whether the the person working for us actually chose one of the um, clients from a list we have, or if they put it in the other field, because there's an other field that's a text box and you can just type in the name of a client. So what I did with that is just, I go through a condition. I say, if this client exists. Great. Give me the abbreviation. Give me all the client information. If not, then set some of those variables in a way that I can use them later, even though that we don't have a client record for them, but also send me personally an email saying, Hey, we've got a client here that we don't have record for. Do you want to go put a client record in? And the only reason I didn't automate that at this point was that's an actual process I want to think through. I want to apply some logic to. I don't want anyone to just do. I want to have control over that. Um, It then creates the work order within the common data storage so that now I can start to, to actually use a relational database to work with my work orders instead of Trello. Um, so now I've got a record of that work order mm-hmm. within a, uh, a relational database. And then it goes, creates a Trello card because we're not out of Trello yet. Um, it goes and it gets the email address for the technician. It populates a Word template and saves it as a PDF. And then it emails it out to the technician. If it's a technician email we already have, if not, it sends it to our um, common inbox, and then we dispatch it from there. So uh, again, there's there's a lot more here that's a lot more mm-hmm. very our business process specific and required a little bit more um, developer thinking. 
but nothing here that was super hard. Um, the hardest part about it was when you pull a right. So I talked about how I wanted to go look for that client record and, and pull information from that client record. Um, when you pull that client record, even if it's only one record, mm-hmm. it's within an array of one. So I had to work with the fact that it's an array instead of just an object. If it was just an object, it would have been, it would have been all in JSON and it would have broken it down for me because it was an array of objects. It doesn't do that. So I had to go hard code some values in there, um, which is kind of clunky, but it works as long as I know I'm only pulling one. So that's that's a couple of instances of how I've been able to use Power Automate here. And I, I really do think, and, and we've talked about in the past, I really do think this is something that a lot of people could get into and do some very simple things with. I'm doing more complex things. I, I think this is something that's very easy to go more, do some very simple things with. Yeah, I mean, the, I think at least at what I'm looking at here, I feel like there's still ways to go for the interface. Um, like, I feel like you are still able to do this because you have gone through the pain of troubleshooting and learning and reading documentation with programming. And a non-programmer would give up quicker. I'd agree with you for the most part. No, no, I'm, I, I do think it's. I, I would say, I would say, I would say those that those that went and struggled through figuring out um, Excel formulas and and VBA yeah. for Excel <clears throat> without being developers, those people yeah, would yeah. do the same. Yeah, I mean, I've power users with Excel are is the target market here. I think at least at, at this level, very much so. Except that you can do even more than just what your power users. I mean, the, the, the other, what you don't have to know is you don't have to understand deployment, testing, integrations, a little bit of API stuff with the JSON. That would probably be the slap in the face for even Excel power users is understanding these triggers and what this crazy looking JSON payload is. Um, right. That's where I would see the pain. And the Twilio API is kind of ugly. It's very consistent. It works great, but it's not the most inviting JSON payload I've ever seen. So that those would be the harder Agreed. areas, I think, to deal with. Um, but yeah, that's what I that's what I guess I see as the sticklers. But not having to learn deployment, hosting, uh, CI continuous integration, uh, any programming specific language. Those are huge uh, mountains that people jump with this, I think. Right. Right. One, one thing I'll talk about a couple of the different, uh, different difficulties and then we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. Um, because these flows are, so dependent on the trigger, the thing that makes it happen. If you, you see this flow I've got before me for this Microsoft form, it's probably 20 ish different steps I had to go in and create. 
if I change that trigger, I can't change the trigger. I have to create a new one and cop and recreate all these different steps in that mm-hmm. new one. I can't go to the top and say, okay, instead of a Microsoft form, I want you to do a Google spreadsheet or an Excel row or a power app entry or any of those things. I can't change the trigger. So that's a bit of a pain point. I've been doing some reading that you can change the trigger, but what you have to do is you have to export the whole, the whole flow as a JSON um, go into a text editor and then manually change the, the, wording on the the flow on the trigger uh json object so it's not going to be easy but it's also i i also don't have to recreate everything which is going to be beneficial um that's one that's one little uh gotcha and and that applies to other things if i wanted to um i can't move the different steps of the flow around. I can't take this, this 10th step that was set target date Hmm. and move it up five steps. There's no, there's no ability to move it. Actually, that just worked. (laughs) Never mind. There is an ability to move it. (laughs) Um, So obviously when you move things like that, uh, you have to make sure that, the very, the, the inputs for that, that piece are working, but, um, I just learned something as we were talking, you can click and drag the, uh, the flows around. So that's useful. I I actually struggled for a couple hours yesterday to some degree. You can copy a, a piece of a flow and paste it. Um, the, the part I was copying was a complicated part and I tried to copy it and paste it and put it somewhere else so I could duplicate it again. And it kept falling apart on me. So I just kept, I just recreated it and that was quicker than copying and pasting. Um, so, so it's not like code where you can copy and paste it and just, you know, reword some things and you're done. It's a little bit clunkier than that. Um, but those were, those were really the two biggest drawbacks I've seen so far. What are the, does Microsoft have a Trello clone yet? They actually do. It's called Planner. Um, I looked at it and I, I was like, well, do we want to move to Planner? And at the end of the day, my the problem still exists, which is it's nothing but a bunch of generic text fields to hold that information. I can't create a custom field called invoice amount and put it in planner and I can't real, you can kind of do that in Trello, but it's kind of ugly. Um, the next step is to actually create, take, take these work order records that I'm building and build a power app that goes in and is able to do the same thing that Trello does for the most part. We don't need the, Trello ability of moving cards from one column to another. At the end of the day, we really just need a search box that says we can type a number into and it pops up a work order. Well, that's easy. Okay. I don't, Trello was used because it gave me all that uh, for free and, and real easy. So um, that's why we started with Trello, but now we're, 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 I'm trying to get to a point where I can do a little bit more with the data. 
So that's that's a that's oh, a cool. lot of what's going on. I, I again, I'm a big proponent of this. Um, I, I think this is something a lot of people can do if they're already in the Microsoft ecosystem. So um, I'm I'm a real big proponent of people jumping in and trying this. Uh, I'm trying to get one of uh, my my the people who manage our workers. I'm trying to get them to do what I said a couple of weeks ago, which is go into Flow, say when an email comes in as your trigger. And figure out what to do with it. Uh, you yeah. know, you know, go go search through the text for a certain word, and when that word pops up, have it do something for you. Um, whether it's send you a message on Teams, or whether it's categorize the email a certain way, or any number of things. So, um, and and maybe after they've done that, I'll be able to report back on how non-developers were able to to actually access Power Automate. Cool. Yeah, well, this is awesome. I, mean, I think it's pretty. I think this is. Well, we talked about this before. When I when I give you crap about coding all this stuff yourself, this is more of the area where I'm like, small business executive doing this, good use of time. Small yeah, business I, executive coding yeah. entire platforms from scratch, probably not. <laughs> no, I, um, and at this but, point, but what if I have executive I, that has fun <laughs> in it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I haven't had to touch yeah. any CSS. I haven't had to touch any kind of UI interface. It's all built for me. Yeah. So that's half the battle right there. Um, with that half the battle handled, I can do some of the logic stuff and it takes me much less time to deal with. Cool. Well, so. next time I'll, I've been diving in. Um, this is a side project thing into the world of Gatsby, the jam stack. Yeah. Um, headless CMSs, GraphQL, um, and I'm debating on this buy versus build kind of scenario for a project. So I can talk to you more. I can talk more about. I think we had an episode a while back where I was asking about this stuff, and now I'm have a better idea of how it all somewhat ties together. Sure. So, that's, that should be our next uh, this old app episode is deeper into the the new era of CMS platforms. Cool. I look forward to hearing about it. Awesome. Well, uh, this is probably our last episode across CTO Think and this old app for 2019. Is this like two years we've been doing it? Yeah, just about. Almost. It's just so, about. We're 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 at about episode 60 for each, if I'm if I remember correctly. Are you officiating any more bowl games this week? I am actually at the, uh, I'm not officiating any bowl games. Um, I'm, I, I worked on the chain crew for the Camping World Bowl, which was between Notre Dame and Iowa State. And then on New Year's Day, I'll be uh, doing something for the chain crew for the Alabama-Michigan um, Citrus Bowl. But you don't call that officiating, even though you're still like... The, the, no, I, I, I personally, I'm not wearing stripes. Um, oh. I don't call it officiating at, we, as officials, we like to tell the chain crew that they're part of our team. Um, because they essentially are, they, they, they're important to the team and the, and the chains are very important. Um, but I don't call it officiating because I don't make any decisions. I, I put a stick on the ground if I'm holding one of the stakes and that's all I do. Um, mm-hmm. so I, 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 I'm, I'm an accessory. I mean, I don't know. I would love to be on a sideline 
where there's the risk that Nick Saban might yell at me. Like that would be awesome. So I, 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 I did, I did bump into Brian Kelly with the chain um, during the, uh, during the bowl. So I'd bumped into the Notre Dame head coach um, and he, he actually backed into me and he was apologetic, um, which was very nice. He better be, or otherwise we'd roast him on our show and he would care. <laughs> he would care about what we had to say. All right. Well, you have fun with your, uh, with the Michigan Bama game. Um, that's still a pretty good matchup for a bowl game. Yeah. And, should be good. Uh, have a great new year. Uh, with whatever you're doing, I we are going to a fancy event for ours. So very good. The next day, I'll recover, and then we'll see where it goes from there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, you have a uh, happy new year. Cool, man. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this old app. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at www.thisoldapp.online. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. For questions, comments, or things you would like to hear on future shows, please email us at hello at thisoldapp.online. Show music is Guns Blazing by Fab Claxton, licensed by Pond5. Voiceover work by MeganVoices.com. You'll hear from us soon.